listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. We have been in a series uh, looking at how God uses us in the everyday, how His Spirit moves amongst us as ordinary people, men, women, children who live ordinary lives, yet are called to an extraordinary commission to be vessels of His presence in the world. And I've been looking forward to this particular sermon for some time, but I'd like to begin with a story. This is a retreat centre called Feldenbrennen in the hills of Wales. Wales in the 19th century experienced an incredible renewal and revival, which broke out initially amongst a group of about 12 or 11 young adults and then spread out, transforming the entire nation of Wales. Today, Wales, however, is one of the more unreached or or unchurched places in the United Kingdom. But it was to Wales and specifically to this retreat centre that a man called Roy Godwin was called. Now, it's not exactly where he wanted to go. He had a background in business and his real passion was to be evangelistic, to share his faith with people in the business sphere. But weirdly, as God so often does, he calls us first before he uses us to an act of obedience. And Roy and his wife Daphne were called not to the center of some commercial capital, not to a ministry on the cutting edge of business where the Christian overlap between in the marketplace between the kingdom and what's happening in business, they were actually called not from a commercial center, financial capital, they were called to a completely remote place in the hills of Wales and to a retreat centre. Now, retreat centres or Christian camps, if there is some hierarchy of cool in the world of Christianity, and sadly sometimes there is, are not on the top list of what a cutting-edge ministry looks like. When we think of a cutting-edge ministry, we think of lights and and huge crowds and maybe a cutting-edge conference that's become a real event. But a small, humble Christian conference centre way off the beaten track doesn't seem like the beating heart of where it's at in what God is doing in the world. Roy Godwin was concerned about this, that where he'd been called to seemed to be very different to where his heart wanted to be and the difference he wanted to make in the world. Now, this was confirmed when he was walking down the street and saw coming towards him a Christian minister who was known, who he respected and looked up to. And this Christian minister said to Roy, oh, hi, how are you going? And they started talking. He said, Roy, I just want to let you know that I've heard about where you're going. And I've got to say that it's, it's the end of your ministry. It's the end of your impact. This is just way off the beaten path. I'm so sad to hear this has happened to you. An incredible word of encouragement. <laughs> so Roy and his wife, Daphne, move and take up residence here. 
and begin to try and turn this place around. One day he goes back and goes and attends a business conference and it's exactly the place he wanted to be, surrounded by all these movers and shakers. And he comes back to his retreat center, sitting over a cup of tea the next morning with his wife and just lets out this frustration and says, oh, God, I so want to be amongst people. I've not led anyone to the Lord in so long. I want to be on the edge where unchurched people are. I want to share your faith. He had evangelist heart. You've got me here in this Christian camp. Father, please do something. It's one of those prayers which can be forgotten in a moment of frustration. But the next morning, there's a knock at their door and a couple appear and they say, hello, what is this place? They begin to inquire, do you have a booking? Have you come here for a retreat or a camp or something? Or have you booked a prayer weekend away? They realize very quickly that these people are not believers. And they realize also very quickly that this couple have no idea why they're there. Now, Roy, not knowing exactly what to do, just does something very simple, which is offer them a cup of tea. And then thinks, well, what do we do next? If they don't know what this place is. Why don't I show them around the camp? They walk around the camp. He shows them there's a different building. As you can see, it's quite beautiful. It's like a hobbit village. And they get to, I think it's this room here at the end, the circular room, which is the chapel. And Roy takes them in and says, this is the chapel. It's not very big. It's this, probably the size of, you could probably fit part of it on stage. And... Roy makes up a tradition on the spot, not knowing what to do. He says, well, we have a rule and a tradition here, and what it is, is to bless people who come here. And he prays a really simple prayer, and it's this. I bless you in the name of Jesus to know God, his purposes for your life. Sorry, that's a spelling mistake purpose for you life, for your life, and his blessings on you and your family and the situations of your life. Amen. Now, the build-up to this had been massive, as I said. There was a, a short little walk and a cup of tea, but something extraordinary happened. The Holy Spirit fell on this couple. They began to cry and shake. Roy was taken back. They were taken back. He just said, I'll give you a moment, left. And took this as one of those strange things that happen sometimes in the Christian life, which you go, wow, that was interesting. Maybe you write it in your journal. Maybe you just remember it. Next day, again, a knock at the door. A couple appear. Same thing. I don't know, we don't know why we're here. We just felt out we had to drive up your driveway. Again, cup of tea. Again, a little bit of a tour, a bit of chit-chat take them into the chapel. Roy thinks, I'm just going to go for it again. Says the blessing again. Same thing happens. This begins to happen day after day. First in couples, then in multiples. To the point where literally this retreat center is overrun with people unknown why they are coming there. People receiving the Holy Spirit. There's some work that needed to be done on the property. A tradesman came, it was a simple job, and after a few days, Roy and his wife begin to realize that the very simple job seems to be taking a number of days to be done. 
They sit down with the tradesperson, over a cup of tea, of course, and ask the tradesperson, who basically says, oh, I know, I don't want to leave here. This begins to happen to multiple tradespeople. Tradespeople actually begin to experience the Holy Spirit falling upon them. Delivery people. Then what happens is, because of deforestation in the mountain above, a spring that had existed way back to the ancient Celtic time, all of a sudden starts bursting. And living springs of water comes back on this property that has not been there for hundreds of years, to the point where the British government sends out an environmental team to work out why this has happened. They then realise that they're on to something with this blessing thing. They begin to bless the valley around them, a small community, and the blessings begin to radiate out. Farmers' crops begin to grow in incredible harvests. Dairy farmers begin to have multiple sets of calves having twins. And out of this place a series of incredible blessings go out into the community. No flashing lights, no incredible website, no massive funding from some trust fund, cups of tea, bit of a dander, blessing. And what Roy and Daphne had discovered is something that in the arsenal of the spiritual life. When we talk about how the Holy Spirit operates through us, we rightly will often talk about the various gifts, gifts of healing or gifts of prophecy. But in this concept of blessing is something profoundly simple, yet incredibly powerful. We see this in Scripture. It's something you can gloss over. One of those words which sounds Christian-y and you race past it, not noticing it when you read the script. But after the Lord had instructed Moses how Israel was to organize itself as a people centered around God, we have this passage, this instruction. The Lord, so this is God speaking, says to Moses, tell Aaron, who's his like second in command, and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. We just sang a song about Jesus' face turning to us, us turning to Jesus. There's something that is looking into people's faces, which is a blessing when you are truly seen, truly understood. And this actual verse here, this passage, shows us one of the key tasks of the priesthood in Israel, the people who were called to be these bridges between God and humanity, one of the key tasks of these people is actually to bless others, to bless them. But we miss it. We confuse it just with a prayer interceding upon for people. But there's this priestly role to be a bridge between the blessings of God and humanity. Now, in the New Testament, Revelation tells us that we actually will be 
a new priesthood. We are that priesthood now. So this is a task not just for a priesthood in the Old Testament, but anyone who follows Jesus, who calls upon Jesus as their Savior, is asked to bless. And when we bless, as you see in this, we're blessing in the name of God. We're not doing that in our own strength. We're given authority. We're given God's, God's blessing to go and bless others. So blessings are astoundingly simple, yet release a multitude of benefits. Have you ever had anyone come up to you and give you an encouragement. The smallest little token of appreciation. Something small, a gift, flowers, chocolate, a hug. A simple word to say, look, I know no one noticed this, but I just want to say, you just did an incredible job there. I know that was, that was hard, but you did that. And this small, simple thing, which may last five seconds, A card. I mean, what's a card? It's a bit of paper. I mean, seriously, like, think about it. Like, it's a bit, someone's giving you a bit of cardboard. What makes the cardboard powerful is not the inherent quality of cardboard. Cardboard is not that impressive. What makes cardboard become a card? Some of you have in drawers in your bedrooms cards and words of encouragement written that you will probably keep until the day you die, hoping that it will be passed on to your children and others because those, that bits of cardboard is blessed with words of blessing. Words of blessing are incredibly spiritually powerful. And so we have this concept of worship, and when you look at the Old Testament language, we have this pattern that we are blessed by God. We are blessed by Him, but we are blessed to bless. This is not simply a one-way engagement, that the blessings that we receive through God's gift of salvation, through His revelation, through what we experience in worship, through being part of His people, that there's an overflow that is given in order to bless others. A few weeks ago, we spoke on radical generosity. And I made the comment that God has His own economy, the Kingdom of God has its own economy, and radical generosity is the currency of God's Kingdom. Well, I want to continue that train of thought and actually want to add that blessings are the language of the Kingdom of God. This is the actual language that you have to learn. Languages define kingdoms. Languages create a sense of meaning. When you go to a different country and you don't speak the language, it's incredibly difficult to be part of that legal, social, economic, recreational connection or community of people. But when you learn a language, you're able to speak that fluently, all of a sudden you have access into a community. We may speak English or other languages, but all of us have to relearn the language of what the kingdom is, and that is the language of blessing. When we bless, we actually speak God's heart for people, places, times. So, the reason that those people go into the chapel at Faldenbrennen 
It's not because there's something magical about cups of tea. There's not that there's even something magical about that place. But what had happened is actually before that, Roy and Daphne had decided to become blessings. God had specifically told him when he moved to this retreat center that first of all, he had to submit to what God was doing. When we submit and stand in obedience with what God has called us to, his word and his commandments, we align ourselves to be channels of his blessing. Roy wanted to create a house of prayer. And God said, first, before you become the leader of a house of prayer, you must personally first become a house of prayer. That place was what people call a thin place. One of those places where you go and people have prayed and contended and practiced blessing and practiced the ways of the kingdom and done that for a substantial amount of time contending and creates this thin place where heaven and earth overlap. And when we do blessing and when we speak in the language of blessing and we walk in the spirit, we actually begin to create a thin place. And what that does is it opens up. Blessings are the distribution channel of the kingdom of heaven. It's like a giant tap coming from the heavens. Um, Someone's amazed at my own slides. Um, I just was quickly finding a tap, but it's actually quite good. It works. Um, and this sense that you think at any moment God has good things locked up in us. As Tom rightly said, radical generosity is about time and resources. In each of you, there are resources of God locked up, ready to be released. But most of us are on the neutral position. We hold back. But at any moment, you and I, churches, places, houses, homes, relationships, workplaces, endeavors, can become distribution channels of the kingdom of God. Because when we speak in blessings, we actually then reorientate ourselves to heaven. Jesus asked these disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, aligning ourselves with the reality of what heaven is meant to be. So when we blessings speak truth and they connect us with God's reality, when we speak in them, we speak in a way which may actually look utterly different to what's happening in the earthly sphere. And we're at the time in history where literally Bad news sells, weird ballad news really sells and makes us click, and we are overrun with a torrent of horrendous news about the world, often delivered with video. And the faces we see are the faces of anxiety and pain and brokenness and stress and lust and anxiety. But when we connect ourselves with blessing, we go in an alternate direction. And see, when we step into blessing, something happens. When we bless others and we speak God's truth over someone else, that has a direct positive kingdom impact on that other person. But what it does too is it begins to realign 
our hearts. And as Romans says in chapter 12, it transforms our minds. When we continually look at people and go, I'm not going to look at you in the way that my fallen human nature wants to look at you. I'm not going to look at you in the way that the world would categorize you. I'm not going to look at you through a Melbourne critical analysis lens. I'm not going to look at you through a feedback lens which just looks at you, what you wear, where you live, what you consume, what you do. I'm actually going to look at you with the lens of heaven. And if I'm practicing that all the time, If I, I walk past sometimes a hospital as I have like my morning walk and you can look in and I looked in the other day and I looked in and I was walking and I'm like walking and it's oh good I'm walking. Didn't have a cup of tea but I was walking and you're trying to be sort of active and, and get moving and be healthy and I walk past and there's a bit where I can look into one of the rooms and you see people in there, and they're connected to machines. Many are, are quite old. And I can look at them and go, oh, there's something that for many of us, there's people who work in hospitals for others can look at that, and that's the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. That reminds us of mortality and, and even death and these different things. So I can take that and allow that experience just to continue to allow myself to stay in this very earth-focused mindset, a human-focused mindset. But what I actually started to do as I prepared for this sermon is like I started to pray, God, bless the people in that room. Father, when they sit or lay in their beds and there's no one there, be present to them. Father, I pray healing and health over them in Jesus' name. Now, this is just me walking past. Now, one, I'm blessing them, but I'm starting to transform my heart at the same time. This is a mutual beneficial cycle. Blessing releases blessings for others, but it blesses us by pushing us outward into the world, away from just the constant spin of self-analysis, but in the same time heals us as well. And this links us into another dynamic with spiritual warfare. Blessing is spiritual warfare. We go in the opposite spirit, in our intent, words, and actions. We turn curses into blessings and a critical spirit into a ministering spirit. I was in a meeting, and it was a meeting which had been called because of some conflict. And I went into this meeting and I was frankly quite hurt. I felt I'd been defamed to other people, put in a box, really hurtful things had been said about me. And as you do, when you know something like this is coming up, you begin to game it out in your mind. And I can think quite strategically and I can speak off the top of my head quite well and there were moments I had to catch myself because what I was doing was going through this meeting and developing in my head actual points which would defend myself but at the same time pretty much destroy this other person. And the meeting began, I thought, I don't want to do that, I want to come in peace and I came in peace and then the meeting just went in this left turn where this person was just going in the wrong spirit, just coming at me. 
Now, I knew God had sent me in that meeting for a message and a, and a mission of peace to actually bring reconciliation. And I got to this point where I could feel inside of me my human anger growing, and it was growing. And like, you can feel it's like down there. It's like, oh, it's coming up. It's okay. I've got a bit of distance from my mouth. Okay, it's at chest level now. Okay, that's all right. That's fine. I'm still smiling. Sip some tea. And then it gets to your throat. And you're like, okay, this is now danger. Now, what sometimes happens in that? You can just go into some rage, which is like irrational. And, you know, you're throwing music stands into grand pianos if you have them in your house. But this was different. I was not in danger here of smashing the tea set. I was in danger of letting loose some cruise missiles that would have been sent with laser precision guidedness that literally would have cursed and destroyed this other person. And at that exact moment, I could just tell in that moment the spirit I said, God, I just prayed inside and I just knew I had to go in a different direction. I mean, I was locking and loading. Like those missiles were ready to go. And I was just going to boom, boom, boom. You know, you see those trucks in like, you know, just like, it was, it was, it was going to be bad. But at that moment, I said, God, give me a heart of compassion for this person. In a millisecond, give me a heart of compassion for this person. And I said something to this effect. I said, I know you're hurting. I can see the place of pain where this stuff comes from. And this is not your destiny. This is not who you are. And I know you've said these things to me, but you don't mean them. And I actually see this in you. I actually see that you have the spirit on you. I see that you're called to this. I actually see that God has purposes for you. Since the moment you were knitted in your mother's womb, God has a plan for you. I don't know when, at some point, I actually found myself standing. I mean, it was like a, a tea situation. Tea is the theme today. Who thought it? It was a tea situation. I don't remember when, but I remember in the middle of I am standing over this person, just like praying these prayers. And it flipped from speech to prayer. And the person is just weeping. And something broke in that moment. And that is going in the opposite spirit. I had potential curses in me. Curses really had been given to me from this person. But in that moment, I flipped from a critical spirit into a ministering spirit. And I went from being a peacekeeper to a peacemaker in that moment when I spoke the purposes of God over that person. There are people in this room who've been hurt there are people in this room who rightfully have had unjust things done to them. And Jesus says to love our enemies. We're called to bless those who have cursed us. And we live in a world where maybe people don't joust anymore. Joust? I meant jewel, jewel, sorry. Joust, in, maybe in the Middle Ages. <laughs> But we inflict curses on other people. Someone cuts us off on the road. People write things online. We are a world where we have still an honor culture where we cut other people down. And if someone's crossed us, it hurts. Some of you exist in workplaces which are just absolutely toxic. Some of us live in homes, relationships, friendship circles which are toxic. 
And we are placed there by God to actually practice spiritual warfare and speak God's blessing for those people and those places. You see, what blessing does is it puts flesh on the kingdom of God. It takes good intent, but then actually activates that in the real world life and it incarnates the will of God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It activates it in that space when we bless others. Blessing isn't just words. Blessing is actions. Blessing is sharing. The story Ryan told in announcements of the next door neighbor taking him as a baby into the house so that Ryan's family could have a rest when his sister is ill and then praying over Ryan. A simple thing, looking after a baby. But look at the multiplicity of beneficial effects that that has done in the world. It was just babysitting and prayer. But here, who would have thought that that woman in the UK could ever imagine that we would be benefiting from God working in Ryan's life all these years later on the other side of the world in a church called Red here in Melbourne? When we bless, we put flesh on the kingdom of God. And this is not, as I said, God gives gifts and gifts are given to different people, but everyone can bless. It's the simplest thing in the world. When people have shared and given to other people financially and met a need in this church, that's a blessing. People in this church who are fostering and taking children from backgrounds which are difficult into their homes, that's blessing. The encouragers in this church who write notes, just say things, that's a blessing. The more blessings that are put, they're like bricks building something which begins to look like heaven on earth. Why? Because it actually is. So how do we bless? How do we bless? Deuteronomy says this, again talking about the priesthood. It says this, set apart the tribe of Levi, who were the priestly tribe, to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, which was the presence of God, to stand before the Lord, to minister and pronounce blessings in his name. That's how we bless. Now there's a few elements in that that are really key. First of all, is to be set apart. The Levites were set apart. That means to be set apart from the general hue of what is going on. When we're set apart, holiness is being set apart. And in order to bless, we have to realize that we exist in a cultural, emotional sphere, which we're deeply connected to, where people either are neutral in their blessings, where we just don't practice it, maybe on birthdays, because we have to, or if you're just a preternaturally kind person. But most people exist in a neutral sphere where we're actually looking for people to bless us. Or, mixed in, there's curses. So there's three settings here. Blessings, neutral, and curses. Now we live in this world of all this stuff. So first step is to actually step out of that world, how it's spoken to us, and we're set apart. Set apart. Next, we're to realize that we carry the presence of God. As set apart from that, we now look back at it, realizing that we are 
carriers of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit exists in us. We are the, now the temple as individuals and as a church. We are carriers of the presence of God. But we can't go back into that space in our own strength. There are some people who just are good at being kind, but that's different to biblical blessing. This is something supernatural. This is something from God. So the Levites, the priests, stood in the presence of God. In the book of Leviticus, it speaks of Moses and Aaron standing in the presence of God and then coming outside and speaking that over people and the fire comes and people see the presence of God. They could only pronounce that blessing that came with power because they stood in the presence of God. Roy Goodwin, it wasn't the tea, it was, wasn't the tour, it was actually the fact that for months before he'd stood in the presence of God, prayed over that land, he'd allowed the Lord to minister to him. We need to let, the God, let God bless us and our anxious scripts actually hear, no, no, not anxiety, peace, not loneliness, presence. Not the curses that have been spoken to me my whole life. No, your words, what you say about me, God. Allow God to minister and bless us, to bless him. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the blessings that I have in my life. And then we're simply in the authority that God has given us to pronounce blessings on others. It's so simple. This is a really helpful acrostic that actually Roy Goodwin wrote down. The acrostic of bless. We be for body. We can pray for people. God, we pray for their health. We pray that you'll protect them. We'll pray that you give them strength. We can pray for their labor. God, whatever work they do, Father, provide for them. Give them security. Bless what they're doing. Whatever endeavors they're engaged in, Father, may your blessings be upon it. You can go into a business, the people who make you a taco, and actually pray blessing upon those people. I was with a friend, me and Trudy, with a friend in the UK, Pete Gregg, and we went into a burger joint. And you know, you rock into this burger joint, and we're with him, and they're sort of cool hipsters, and he starts talking to the guy, and find out the guy's from Italy, and he just says, would you like me to bless your burger establishment, you know? And from Melbourne, I'm expecting you know, the guys to start throwing patties and you know, gluten-free buns at people. And surprisingly, they're like, yes. And then we're standing there and they're praying in this burger joint. People are happy to be blessed. So many more people than you expect. E, emotional. Pray for joy for people, for peace and hope. In a moment of great, really, endemic anxiety, I actually believe that speaking joy and peace and hope and blessing others is one of the best ways of dealing with that crisis that's amongst us, going in the opposite spirit for ourselves and for others. S for social, praying God's love and blessing over their loves, their marriages, their family, their friends, the social circles they find themselves, neighbors. And then S, spiritual, praying God's gift of salvation, faith and grace for them. Who and what can we bless? We can bless people. There's that verse I just mentioned. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting where the presence of God was. They came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. 
households. When Jesus sent out his disciples in Luke 10, he said, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. Some of us need to go home and pray blessings over our households. Before we can bless other households, just start praying blessing for your household. Places and land. David in Psalm 65 speaks of the way that the Lord actually blesses the land. God intimately cares for creation. The scriptures are filled with stories of creation actually singing out the praises of God from rocks and undersea creatures praising God. God deeply cares for his world. Romans tells us that creation groans waiting for its freedom. We can actually pray for places and land. Australia deeply needs us to pray for this land. We need to pray for drought to end, for enmity to end, for healing to come. Our city, we need to actually pray for it and say, God, bless Melbourne, bless her people, bring your favor upon this city. The exiles that were taken from Israel all the way to Babylon were actually called to bless the city and superpower that had actually taken them and to actually be a blessing to that place. I believe we as a church, Red, are called to be a community of blessing. This is so easy. We can do this. Let's increasingly speak of not what is wrong, but what can be. Let's speak of ourselves, not as how we see ourselves, but how God sees ourselves. Let's speak to others, God's destiny for others, not just how we see them through human eyes. Let's look at the people coming to Alpha who may come and come every second week and be frustrated or frustrating. Let's actually speak God's will for those people and his destiny for them. Let's be a community of blessing. So, We can't really end a sermon on blessing without some blessing. Let's stand. And let's actually move now into the time where God wants to bless us and where we can be a blessing to others. Let's get the band to come up now and let's move into this space. Let's close our eyes. Let's ask for God to begin to move amongst this Holy Spirit come. First of all, I just want to pray, Father, that blessing over us that Roy Goodwin said to that couple that first day. So I want to say, I bless you in the name of Jesus to know God his purposes for your life and his blessings on you, your family and the situations of your life. Amen. Spirit come. Speak to us heaven's truth over every person here. I want to first of all, Father, just pray that you'll bless us. Father, we pray that you'll bless our bodies. We pray for health. I pray for physical health. I pray for mental health. Father, I pray for our labor, the work that we do, what we're engaged in, voluntary, paid, it doesn't matter, the things that you have put us in this world, Father, to actually do. 
We pray there may be a joy. Father, even give us diligence and perseverance in those areas which maybe it sometimes feels like drudgery. Help us to see it in new ways. Father, I want to pray for economic provision, for security for people. Father, I want to pray and bless people's emotions. Father, give them joy. Give them peace. Give them enjoyment of you. Give them a sense, Father, of not being torn down by the waves of just fleeting emotions, but a steadfast strength in you, Jesus. I want to pray for all the different social connections of people in this room. Bless those relationships, Father. Bless friendships. Bless neighbors. Bless marriages. Bless children and parents and wider family circles. Flow into all those spaces, workmates. May your blessings flow through them the way electricity flows through wires. And Father, we pray lastly a blessing upon their spiritual lives. I pray, Father, for anyone who doesn't know you in this room to come to a full, transforming knowledge of you. Father, I want to pray a blessing that you will just exponentially move people ahead in the spirit, move people ahead in maturity. Father, grow us deeper in you. Give us a greater love for you in Jesus' name.